0: It's turned out to the Gospel of John and chapter 14, where we have read. Let us read once more at verse 15. John 14 and at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so on. We know ourselves in different ways, that when we have to part with somebody that we love, it's never an easy time. And were we to know that in advance, or the timing of that in advance, it would perhaps make the situation even more difficult for us. But we are so attached to those who are around us and we cannot imagine life in this world without them. Our lives would crumble so much if they weren't there. And we read in these chapters that the Lord Jesus, to whom the disciples are so attached that they will do anything for him, to hear him say to them quite clearly that he is going to leave them. And to do so, as we begin the section of the Gospel of John in chapter 13, where he knows and reminds them that knowing that God had given everything into his hands and having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He understands where he is going, but they do not understand why he is telling them that he is going to leave them. And so, in these chapters, from chapter 13 to the end of chapter 16, Jesus is careful to instruct his disciples to help them understand. They are struggling with what he is saying, but nevertheless, he is presenting things clearly before them. And he is doing so uh, so that they will understand the cross when he has gone, and so that they will remember the things that he had had said, that they will remember them in the future and so be able to continue their relationship with him. And just before we come to these verses, we notice that Jesus reminds them that they have a lot of work to do. He is reminding them that They are actually going to do greater works than he will do. And that's daunting to be told that they are going to do more than he did. How can they possibly do so? And he has promised them that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But they are in that situation of grief and sorrow because he's leaving them. They are in that situation because he is going to ask them to do things that they cannot possibly do. And asking them to do these things when he is not there. And so the whole build up to these verses is one of great need and a sense of great sorrow and a real need to hear some comforting answers. And so we come to these verses from verse 15 to, to 17. I don't want to consider these because here is the first time in these chapters that Jesus mentions the promise of the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And he does so in five particular places in these chapters. And we want tonight to begin to look at these five different parts of the Gospel of John. And from verse 15 to verse 17, it's the first time that we hear Jesus speaking about the Helper, the one who's going to enable them. And tonight we want to think of the Holy Spirit... As the other helper. I want to notice first of all. That Jesus is looking for proof. And the proof is quite simple. Show me who you are. But the proof is not quite that simple. Because he is not asking them to prove themselves. When he is with them. He is asking them to prove themselves when he is not with them. In verse 15, if you love me, and of course they do, their love is not perfect. And we will see that in in the experience of Peter, for example, later on, their love is not perfect. But if you love me, and this is the first time in the gospel that, that Jesus has challenged them about their love for him. He has spoken of the way in which God loved the world and sent his own son into the world. He has spoken of of the way in which they are to love one another. And he has spoken of his great love for them, greater love as no one is than one should lay down his life for his friends. They are to love each other as disciples. God loves them. Jesus loves them. But the proof is that he is looking for, is a love that continues. And we read in different parts in the Bible that there are times when love grows cold. There are times when love stops working. So Jesus is laying the condition here, if you continue to love me always, and that presents us with a huge challenge in life. It's easy to love when our hearts are moved and our hearts are warmed. But the very nature of life is that our love for God and our love for the Lord Jesus will be tried. And particularly for them, if you love me no matter what, if you love me even when I am absent, if you love me. And it's always a simple question to ask ourselves. And to hear Jesus examining your hearts tonight, to hear Jesus asking us the question, if you love me, it's a condition of what he's going to say afterwards. But if you love me, there has to be proof of that. You will keep my commandments. You will guard with every ounce of energy in your lives the commandments that I have given to you. And of course, that includes what we call the moral law, the Ten Commandments. And where we going to stop tonight and say that if you love me, you will keep the Ten Commandments, then we are missing the point that Jesus is making because their love for him goes beyond that. And when we read through the Gospel of John, we recognize that the commandments that Jesus is referring to are, first of all, the things that the Father has commanded him to do. And then there is the way in which he has explained to them the will of God, the way in which he has explained to them the purposes of God, And the way in which, for example, in in chapter 12, verse 50, the way in which his commandment is eternal life. The way in which the terms and condition of the relationship is the will of God, the will of the Father who has sent him. And so love is, is embracing all of the teaching of Jesus from the first time that they met him. All of his ministry with regard to the world around them. All of us ministry with regard to their own relationship with him. All of us ministry with regard to their relationships with each other. Every way in which he has spoken to them about the words of God and the commandments of God. And the way in which the commandments include every individual part of what Jesus requires of them. Jesus says in in, in this prayer in John 17 with regard to praying for the disciples. and, And he says, to the Father concerning them, they have kept your word. And when we allow that to inform what's happening here, as we read it quite simply, you will keep my commandments. And yes, it's something that's continuous. But the key thing is that they will keep his commandments when he is not there. And that presents them with a challenge that, that perhaps reinforces the concern that they have in their minds that Jesus is going to leave them. He has told us all of these things. We have kept his word. We have hung on to everything that has come out of his mouth. But now he is leaving us. And he is expecting us to carry on keeping all that he has spoken to us about himself and about the Father and about ourselves. And for them, it was a specific challenge that we don't have because we're not in the place where we have Jesus physically present with us and he is going to leave us. We're beyond that. But for them, imagine how they must have felt. Imagine how they must have responded in their own thinking at least to what Jesus was saying. That the proof of our love for him is to keep his commandments when he is not here. And the way in which that applies to us is that that's exactly where we are. He is not here. And the proof of our love for him tonight is love in his absence. We long to see Jesus. We long to be with Jesus. To be with Jesus is far better. But tonight Jesus wants us to love him, to show that we love him by keeping his commandments. And The same John writes in, in, in this first epistle in chapter 5. By this, he says, we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. A nutshell of what keeping the commandments is and how that works with regard to the children of God. And what we see is that here they are with him in the upper room, and they are there as the disciples. And he is commanding them to show their love and to show it in such a way as they will keep themselves together in the love of God and in that relationship with them. And so instead of individualizing the whole idea of or the way in which, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is very much at the center of what he is saying that we are going to do so together collectively as the people of God and so that we're not going to do so scattered as if it were as individuals because that's not what we are. We belong to the church of Jesus Christ. We belong to the body of of the Lord Jesus. He is the head and we are the body. We belong to him. If you love me, You will keep my commandments. And tonight we may well ask ourselves. How all of these things work in our own hearts. In our own minds. And in our own lives. The connecting love of God. Which is love for the people of God. Which is love for the Lord Jesus. Which is love for everything that he has spoken and said. Lives shaped by the way in which his ministry forms a people around himself. And if I find myself tonight, or if you find yourself tonight, not within that gathering around the Lord Jesus, the question is specifically for you. Do you love me? If you love me, you will keep. Do you love me? Because if you do, you will keep my commandments with the people of God, and so you will be part of the forming of the Church of Christ in devotion to the Lord Jesus, with hearts and lives given over to Him. The proof. Secondly, there is a promise. And always, wherever there is a great need, there is a great promise. And so often our feeling is that we see how great the need is and we don't see the promise. And that makes what we have to do, what God has called us to do, it makes it impossible for us. We begin to crumble. But the way in which to live life is to hear the promise of God and then the promise always corresponds to where we are at. And that's exactly the promise, the kind of promise that Jesus gives to his disciples here in this verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. I will ask the Father. When I read the words that, Jesus speaks when I read them in, in their original language. I see that there are two words used for asking in the, in the Greek language. And one of them is for a general asking. But the other one is an asking which is delegate and which is tender and, and which is loving. It's an asking within a loving relationship that arises out of a loving heart. And so it's formed in such a way as to give expression to that love and to make a request that is going to provide for those who are loved by the person who is asking. And here we see that the Son is coming to the Father, the Son who I said in verse 13, or concerning him, John I said in chapter 13, having loved his own, who are in the world. He has loved them to the end. He comes with love for them. And he comes into the presence of the Father. The Father who has loved him from before the world was. The Father whose love for him is unbroken, unchanging. He comes with love for them. He comes with love for God. And he comes with A loving desire to do whatever the will of God wants and desires. He will ask the Father. And when we understand that he's speaking to them about how they're going to live in his absence, when Jesus is saying, I will ask, there is not only a time frame But there is a particular moment when he will do so. And that moment will not be here with them in the upper room. That moment will not be in the garden of Gethsemane. That moment will not be on the cross at Calvary. That moment will not be in the tomb. That moment will not be on the morning of the resurrection. It will be that moment when Jesus will be raised up into glory. When he will stand in the presence of God. Then I will ask the Father. It's something that's future. It's something that points to where Jesus is going. And it's something like all of his prayers. That's based on the promise that God has made to him. And he, by the very way in which he makes this promise to them. There is a confidence And the way in which he makes the promise. And the confidence is such that he knows he will reach the throne of God in glory. There is no doubt in his mind that that he he won't survive the cross or that he won't come out of the tomb. He knows he has to go through it. But because of who he is, he's certain that he will reach the other side and that he will stand in that glory. So he is not saying if I get there, I will ask the Father. He is saying, when I get there, I will ask the Father. And that's so so important for us to to understand that, that when he makes this promise, it's not just a promise for them, it's a promise for the whole of the people of God, for the Church of Christ from the day of Pentecost right until the end of time, there is this asking and there is the Father's giving based upon perhaps the words of Psalm number 2 where God says to his king, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And Peter who is here with Jesus will explain everything to the church at Pentecost, and he will say to them, this Jesus, whom you crucified, has been made both Lord and Christ, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured it out this, which you are now seeing and hearing. It is the asking that comes on the moment of his appearance at the right hand of God. It's an asking that's based upon the promise of God. And it's an asking that has the power of his finished work on the cross behind it. And they will see that afterwards. And there is so much of that when when Peter preaches that sermon in Acts 2. There is so much of what Jesus is saying here coming out in what he's saying this understanding of what Jesus is saying here comes out more and more the more that we listen to what Peter has to say. I will ask the Father. The asking without which we would have nothing. The asking with which, without which without having the promise of God which would come to nothing. And the asking that has the cross as the power behind it, and in a sense, the motivation for God. We can speak with reverence because this is what I have done," says the Son to the Father. "I have done this in accordance with Your will, and You are promised to give this to me. It's a transaction based on a finished work, where the Father will give to the Son what He has promised. He will give you as his own gift. He will give you another helper. He will give you a helper. One who comes alongside you. A person who's called someone to assist. As if we send an emergency call. To somebody in a crisis, we call somebody alongside to help this person. Somebody who's qualified and who is able to help this person in their need. It may happen in a court of law where somebody needs uh, legal assistance. It may happen simply in a place of need as we see the church in the Old Testament and God promising in Isaiah 40, sending out the message Comfort my people, saith your God. Because God is going to return to be alongside him and that will be their help. God is our help. In ages past, our hope for years to come. God is the help of King David. The promise of the helper. But it is the promise of Another helper. We can understand that to be another of a different kind. We are all different. We have the same interest in in the gospel, but we are different. So when I could say to somebody that when somebody's not there, I will send another person, then that person would be different. It's another of a different kind. But remarkably, Jesus is saying here, I will send you another of the same kind. And surely that is impossible. Surely, if Jesus is going to leave them, surely there cannot possibly be another one of the same kind he is the paraclete, he is the helper, he is the one who is with them and that's what lies behind the very idea of another helper. In other words, he is their helper here. He has instructed them, he has supported them, he has been alongside them, he has nurtured them, they have been nourished by him, they are growing in their faith. He has been so much of The strengthening of his own disciples. And now he is saying that another helper just like him will come along. And when he identifies this helper, it is the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, of course. So he is telling them that in answer to his prayer to the Father that the help and the support and the strength and the instruction that he gave to them will actually continue. And never before and never since was there such a continuity in any kind of ministry. We speak about about seamless transition. So we that one, one, one thing flows into the next, wherever it is, without any interruption. But we know that's impossible. When we come to everyday life and everyday things, there is no such thing really, as much as we strive for that. But for them, he is saying, that you will notice no difference, that the help will be the same as I have given to you. And is that not so encouraging for ourselves tonight? Perhaps we are, we are saying how much we would love to have been on this earth with the disciples when Jesus was here. But actually, having the Holy Spirit with us is the same. It's the same in the sense of giving to us all that He gave to them the Holy Spirit gives it to us another helper of the same kind. And he is the spirit of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And here is another helper of the same kind, who is the spirit who has the truth and who comes in accordance with the truth. So there is a sense of, of building us for us together. Not just an encouragement, but a theology of how the church works. That in the whole process, that, that Jesus goes to God the Father. That Jesus asks the Father for the Holy Spirit. And the Father gives the Holy Spirit to us. And there is the working of the lives of the people of God. Individually. This is how it works and this is how we are, the children of God, by this other helper that makes us feel, and not imagine, but that makes us feel that Jesus is actually with us. And if we're going to say that that's not possible, then we're denying What we experience from time to time. When the Spirit of God blesses the Word of God to us, what do we sense? We sense the power of the Spirit of God. But it brings us to the place where we sense really that the Lord Jesus is with us. And we are moved in our hearts because He is there. Not physically, but he is there with this holy spirit of truth to give to us the kind of comfort that they received when Jesus was with them. The promise based on his work and focusing on their personal need. That brings us to our third point, which is the possession. I need to own this. So I, can speak like I need to have this in my heart. And only if I have this in my heart will I be able to experience the help and sense the way in which Jesus is with his people. In verse number 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. That is the world separate from God, alienated from God, living in darkness. And the three characteristics that Jesus describes here are the things that belong to the people of God and do not belong to those who don't trust in the Lord Jesus. The, spirit, the, the world cannot receive the world cannot see, and the world cannot know. There is blindness, there is intellectual darkness, and there is a stubborn heart. And these things are, are there together in those described here as the world, which Jesus himself describes as being in darkness, and Rejecting his truth because they are in darkness a stubborn heart. Blindness and intellectual darkness. They cannot receive. And tonight that brings us to the very center of, of what Jesus is saying but at the very center of what the gospel is saying also. It gets to our hearts. And we do need to ask ourselves can we see the beauty of the Lord Jesus? We need to ask ourselves do we know him? We need to ask ourselves have we received him? It's about Possessing this glorious inheritance. It's about possessing all that. Jesus promises. When he says. You know him. For he dwells with you. And will be. In you. You know him. Who is the him? It's the helper. It's. The helper of the other kind, of the same kind, sorry. It's the helper that they know. And how do they know him? If, if Jesus hasn't yet asked the Father to send him, they know him because that helper is the one who is helping the Lord Jesus himself. Here is the Son of God who was filled with the Spirit of God from his very conception, upon whom the Spirit descended on the day of his baptism, who was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted, who returned from the wilderness full of the Spirit of God and began to preach and to minister. He is the one who himself is experiencing the very help that he promises to them. You know him. You know him through the things that you've heard me say. You've know, you know him through the things that you've seen me doing. You know him through the revelation that God has given to you through me of himself. You know him. He dwells with you. He is around them. That's the physical presence of Jesus. It's what they are mourning over, what they are dreading losing. He dwells with you. But he shall be in you. He will come home to you. He will come to dwell in your heart. He will come to fill up your life with his power, with a sense of what his help really means. And when we think of the spirit that dwells in the Lord Jesus here and its powerful influence in his life on his words, on his works and on on every aspect of his ministry and, and his living for God then that same influence will be seen in the lives of the children of God. And it begins has to begin with an experience. We cannot possibly have this helper of the same kind in our hearts without an experience, without feeling that God is inside of us through the power of this helper. So that if we do have the Spirit of God, we will know that we are the children of God. We will know that God has changed us from the moment that he came to dwell within our hearts. And from that point onwards, that experience that comes with the eternal presence or the internal presence of the Holy Spirit is an experience that comes with power into our lives that comes to transform our lives that gives to us the kind of dynamic in life that will keep us keeping the commandments of God in the absence of Jesus now and as we wait for his return. And so the fulfillment of the promise sets us apart and when Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. All those in whom the Helper dwells, there will be evidence. There will be fruit. And tonight, we, Jesus says, we are by their fruits, you shall know them. And the confession of, confession of faith says that we recognize, that we should recognize, The fruit of the Spirit in our own hearts cannot hide the impact of the Spirit of God in our hearts. And so we rejoice tonight that Jesus is asking us to prove ourselves by keeping his commandments. We are thankful that he has given a promise to us so that the very proof that he's asking for will be produced in our lives by the very Spirit that he is promising to be with us. And as we journey on through life, we will have the teaching, we will have the instruction, we will have the strength, the help, the support that they had, because the Holy Spirit of God is in our hearts. So may God help us to rejoice in the promise that Jesus would ask the Father to send the helper who is another of the same kind. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do give thanks to you for your word and for its promises and for the marvellous way in which we grow more and more to understand the way in which your kingdom works, the promises that you made to your son, the way in which your son prays and claims these promises on behalf of his people and the way tonight lives are changed, transformed by the indwelling power of your spirit uh, to enable the people who were far from you to be united to you uh, in the person of your son and so to live for you, loving you and keeping your commandments day by day. So help us and hear us and bless your word as we ask. We ask all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.